as the story goes, a young lady sat up in bed. She looked over at the man lying next to her. And as she did in her heart, she regretted that she had spent the night with him. To be truthful, this was the sixth man to share her bed. The other five had married her and divorced her. And this relationship did not seem to be any more fulfilling than the others had been. And she wondered to herself, what have I done with my life? Why am I here? What am I doing with this man? And over in the corner of the room, there were some clay jars for holding water. They were empty. And they needed to be filled. So she picked up the clay jars and she made her way outside and strolled through the city streets and markets because she was on her way to the community well. And as she made that journey to the community well, she couldn't help but relate to those empty jars, those empty jars of clay that she had in her arms. Because like those jars of clay, she too was empty. And she was dry. And like those empty jars of clay, she needed to be filled. She had poured out every drop of herself. And this woman emotionally and physically was drained. Everyone around her had taken from her freely. But no one ever gave back. And deep down inside, she had a longing to be filled again. And as she made her way to the well that day, she thought within herself, if only I could be filled up as easily as I can fill these jars of clay. If only I could go to the well and be filled also. She didn't realize that that particular day she was headed down the path to the solution of all of her problems. Because you see, that day when she went to the well, she met Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave her a lesson in living water. And you know, we're like that, aren't we? We're like that woman that met Jesus at the well that day. Oftentimes we're dry. And we're empty. And we need our cup filled. And that reminds me of a story about Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a great preacher of the 19th century. And Spurgeon wrote a book entitled, Lectures to My Students. Spurgeon's book is actually the ultimate how-to guide for preachers. And Spurgeon devoted a chapter in his book 
to the minister's fainting fits. And Spurgeon warned his students of the dangers of discouragement and depression in the ministry. And the chapter begins, fits of depression come over most of us. The strong are not always vigorous. The wise are not always ready. The brave are not always courageous. And the joyous are not always happy. That observation is perfectly illustrated by a man by the name of Frank Graff. Frank Graff was a minister born in 1860 in northeastern Pennsylvania. And one of the greatest attributes that he had as a minister was his joyous, happy, cheerful disposition. In fact, in Philadelphia, Graff was referred to as the Sunshine Minister. And that was because of his radiant personality. In fact, he actually had a special way with children. They were drawn to his simple faith. And they were drawn to his perpetual smile. But as Spurgeon said... The joyous are not always happy. A series of heartbreaks shattered his spirits. And Frank Graff found himself in very unfamiliar territory. He found himself in the valley of deep depression and despondency. And his gloom soon became as great as the bliss and joy that he had previously enjoyed. And at last, he collapsed and found himself singing Joseph Scriven's old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. It was then that Frank Graff remembered the words of our text. Words written by Peter in Second Peter or in First Peter chapter five and verse seven. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. It was out of his own experience. He wrote the words to one of the songs in our books. It's number 132 in our book. And by popular demand, I'm not going to sing it. But the title of the song comes from our text in 1 Peter. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades into deep night shades, does He care enough to be near? Does Jesus care? 
when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong, when for my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it all to Him? Does He see? Oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Let's face it, people. We live in a very impersonal world. You call to check on a credit card or you call your bank, odds are more often than not they're going to say, well, can you give me the last four of your social? Everything we do is governed by the last four digits of our social security number. Do you remember the days when you went to the pharmacy and you said, I need to pick up a prescription? And they said, yes, Mr. Perkins, I'll get it for you. <laughs> not anymore. I need to pick up a prescription. What's your birthday? Everything's by numbers. I remember years ago, I would take my shirts to the laundry. And if I took a new shirt to the laundry, when it came back, there neatly written with a laundry marker in the collar was T. Perkins. Now then, they've all got a little barcode on there. All of my suits have a little barcode hidden somewhere in them. And they take them to the laundry and they go, and that barcode tells them who it belongs to. Everything's by your social security number, your driver's license number, your birth date, a barcode. It's a very impersonal world. But do you remember the woman at Jacob's well? God knew who she was. Jesus said, you drink of the water I give you and you'll never thirst again. God knew who she was. God knew her by name. And you know what? God doesn't need to know my social security number. And God doesn't need to know my date of birth. And God doesn't need to know my driver's license number. Because God knows me by name. And God knows who I am. God doesn't need a GPS to keep up with me. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10 and verse 3, God knows His own by name. Now, I may live in a very impersonal world, and I may have to tell him my birthday to get a prescription. But God knows me. God cares about me, and God cares about you as an individual. You look at this book, and you look at all of the individuals that Jesus Christ took a personal interest in. Do you know why? 
Because just like Joseph Graf, Frank Graf said, God cares. Jesus cares. Oh, yes, my Savior cares. Just like Peter said, cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Think about that little bow-legged tax collector named Zacchaeus. He climbed up in that sycamore tree. He, wanted, he heard Jesus was coming that way. He wanted to see Him. And he's up in that tree and he's looking down. Here comes Jesus. Jesus stopped. The parade stopped. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. He didn't have to say, who's the guy up in the tree? He knew who it was. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And he went home with Zacchaeus. Spent the afternoon with him. And I don't know what they talked about. Oh, I wish I knew. But whatever Jesus talked to that man about, Jesus knew him by name. And when Jesus got ready to leave, Zacchaeus said, Lord, half of everything I've got, I'm giving it to the poor. And if I've taken anything wrongfully from any man, I'm going to restore it back to him fourfold. And Dr. Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was a rich man. Jesus took a personal interest in him and called him by name. There was that woman that we mentioned at the beginning of our lesson today at Jacob's well. And she's there and Jesus said, could I have something to drink? And she said, you don't have anything to draw with and the well is deep. You're asking for me. I'm a Samaritan and the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And they had a discussion then about living water. And when Jesus got through talking to her, Jesus told her that that living water could be for her. And she forgot all about the water pots she was there to fill because Jesus filled her cup. Jesus filled that dry, empty woman up and she went running into the city to tell people there, I have met the Messiah. You need to come and meet Him too. If you go over to Mark chapter 5, there's that homeless man. That man that they would bind him with chains, they would bind him with fetters, and he'd break the chains. He had all those demons living in him. He lived in the caves. And Jesus cast those demons out of him. And he cast those demons into the swine. And that herd of 2,000 swine drowned in the sea. And then people came out to see this man, this homeless man that had been wild and crazy. He was dressed and normal because Jesus had taken a personal interest in him and cast the demons out. You can go a little earlier in Mark. And you can read about that time Jesus went to the synagogue and His anger was kindled because there was a man there with a withered hand. And Jesus dared to heal that man's withered hand on the Sabbath day and it incensed the Pharisees. Jesus took a personal interest in that man with a withered hand. Jesus had taken a personal interest in that man when the crowd He was teaching in that house in the early part of the book of Mark. And the crowd was so great, these four men had come there with their friend, who was an invalid. And they, couldn't, they wanted to bring him to Jesus so Jesus would heal him. 
And when they got there, the crowd was so great that they couldn't get into the, to the house. So one of them went back to the pickup and got a chainsaw. And they climbed up on the roof and they put the snout of that chainsaw in the roof and they cut a hole in the roof. Well, that's not exactly the way Mark tells the story, but, you know. They let that man down through the roof, four of them, one on each corner of his pallet, holding onto a rope, and they let him down right in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, What do you think you're doing? No, he didn't. He saw that lame man in front of him and Jesus healed him. Are we beginning to get the idea? Jesus cares about us. He cares about our own needs. He cares about our hurts. He cares about our problems. He cares about the trials and the temptations. He cares about what is going on in our lives. Jesus cares about us as individuals. Think about Lazarus and Mary and Martha in that little home in Bethany and all that He cared about them. And when they, He heard that Lazarus was dead, He wept, but then He went to the tomb and He said, Lazarus, come forth. And read this book and read all of the nameless people as Jesus went up and down the roads of Palestine and He healed the sick, He raised the dead, He unstopped the deaf ears, He opened the blind eyes, He made the lame to walk. Because Jesus cares. Jesus has an interest in all of our cares. Jesus has an interest in all of our problems. Jesus has an interest in everything that troubles us. He cares about our family. He cares about our children. He cares about our wife or our husband. Jesus cares. Jesus cares about our finances. He's concerned about our future. He's concerned about our security. Jesus cares about our health. And He cares about the health of others. Whatever burden you're carrying right now, Whatever load you're caving in under right this very moment, Jesus Christ cares. And Jesus Christ is concerned. Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. If you ever wonder whether or not Jesus cares, go to Calvary. Go to Calvary and see my Lord suspended there between heaven and earth. Go to Calvary and see the Roman soldier run up to his side and thrust the spear in his side through his lungs and into his heart. And watch the blood flow down from his side mingled with water to cleanse me and to cleanse you from sin and make us fit subjects for Him eternally in that place called heaven. Does Jesus care? Yes, He cares. He cares for those who love Him. He cares for those who have made Him Lord and Master of their lives. Not just Lord and Master of part of their life, but Lord and Master of all of your life. 
Maybe you need to make changes. Maybe there's something you need to do differently for Jesus to be Lord and Master of all of your life. To be sure that He cares. You know, sometimes our lives are are broken. Just like that woman at Jacob's well's life was broken. But we can bring our broken lives to Jesus Christ. And He puts all the pieces back together again. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if there are needs you have that we can help you with, this is your opportunity to make that known as together we stand and while we sing.